<laughs> Good morning, Boomerangians. Hello, hello. Sorry. Look, we started with prayer this morning, and I'm like already fired up. It was a. It's, it's already been a great morning, and it's only going to get better and better and better. God's so good, y'all. And it's fall. I get to wear boots. And y'all know how much I like my boots. Boots or flip-flops, either one. If it can't be one of those, then it's going to be barefoot. So I'm just going to say, we have a great lesson today. Um, one that I'm pretty passionate about. So I'm going to go ahead and get started. Just in case, you know, I am 85% of my husband and go long-winded. All right. Lesson. <laughs> this lesson, it's in the Andrew Womack um, What's it called? Discipleship evangelism training class thing. Phenomenal, phenomenal class, even though I forgot the name of it. Um, It really is. It's just, this is a class that we do on Sunday mornings, but you can order the book. And this is one that would be great for a Bible study because anybody can do this. It's reading. It's got questions and answers in it and stuff. But it is just a strong teaching on the Word of God and His truths. Um, Just a powerful, powerful lesson, which is why we use it. So we're going to do this one today. It's on hindrances to healing. And it says, In the previous lesson, I talked about the fact that it is God's will to heal and that healing is part of the atonement. Much more could be said because even if you accept it and have seen it in the scriptures, it still raises a lot of questions such as, if it's God's will to heal us, why isn't everyone healed? There are so many reasons, and I'm just scratching the surface on the things I know. There's a lot of information that I'm simply not able to get into here. But if it's God's will to heal, I want to address part of why people are not healed. One of the reasons is ignorance. You cannot operate in something you don't know or understand. And in my own life, that certainly has been true. And I'll just say mine too. I was trained to believe that God will, God's will automatically came to pass. I had no authority, power, or say so in it. So through my ignorance, a number of things happened. Because if y'all don't know, That's not an accurate statement. God's will will not automatically come to pass. Otherwise, we would not need to pray, Lord, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If his will was already going to come to pass, we wouldn't need to be praying that. We wouldn't need to be bringing it down with our words. So this is why he's saying, through my ignorance, a number of things came to pass. My dad died when I was 12 years old, and two or three people had died in my presence by the time I was 21. I was praying for all of them to be healed, but I didn't see healing manifest, not because it wasn't God's will, but because of my ignorance on my part. Ignorance is a reason why things happen, but it's not an excuse. It's like the law of gravity. A person could say, well, I didn't realize that if I walked off a 10-story building, it was going to kill me. You don't have to realize you don't have to realize it to have the full impact of that law to work against you. People are ignorant about some of God's laws. They don't know how his healing system works. So ignorance is killing a lot of people. 
Another thing that can hinder us from receiving healing is sin. It really upsets people when you say that because they interpret what you are saying as all sickness is a result of some sin on our part, which is not true. That's not what I'm saying. In John 9, there was an instance where Jesus came out of the temple and his disciples pointed to a, pointed out a man who was born blind. His disciples said in verse 2, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? In other words, they were trying to relate his sickness directly to sin, asking if it was his or his parents' sin that caused the sickness to come to him. Jesus' answer was that neither of them had sinned. That's not saying that the parents or the son had never sinned, but that it wasn't their sin that directly caused his blindness. It's untrue to say that all sickness is related to sin, but it's also untrue to say that sin is not one of the factors. In John 5, there's an instance when Jesus was at the pool of Bethesda and he healed a man supernaturally. There were multitudes in that place and only one person was healed. Later, that chapter shows that the man didn't know who healed him when the Jews asked him in verse 12, What man is that which, the, which said unto thee, Take up thy bed and walk? Verse 13 and 14 continue, And he that was healed wist, which means knew not, who it was. For Jesus had conveyed himself away, a multitude being in that place. Afterward, Jesus findeth him in the temple and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come unto thee. Jesus said right here that sin would cause something worse than his paralysis to come on him. He tied the results of sickness to sin. He also said in John 9 that it wasn't because of anyone's sin that the man was born blind. Some things just happen naturally, and there are times when sickness, disease, or problems can be a direct result of sin. Even in such cases, it doesn't mean God is the one who was doing these things to us. I'm going to repeat that sentence because this one needs to be one that y'all get in your heads. It says, even in such cases, it doesn't mean God is the one who was doing these things to us. Take, for instance, a person who lives a homosexual lifestyle, which is a, prefer a perversion of nature. The human body is not made to live that way. Sexually communicated diseases come from that lifestyle. God is not the author of these diseases. It's just nature rebelling because it's not set up to live that way. For instance, if you go out and you eat the wrong food, your body is going to respond. And it's not God doing it to you. There are natural laws, natural factors here. So it is true that sin can be one of the reasons people aren't healed. If there's a known sin in your life and you're believing God for healing, you need to stop the sin because through it, you're giving Satan a direct access that's hindering you from receiving what God is doing in your life. Romans 6.16 6, says, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourself servants to obey, his servant ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. I'm just going to tell y'all, for a southern girl, reading King James is interesting. Amen. That's not saying that Satan becomes master in the sense that you lose your salvation and go to hell. But it means that whether you are a Christian or not, if you're living in sin, you're giving Satan an inroad to your life. All right, now here's a verse. Y'all need to make sure you listen to You ready? 
John 10, 10 says, The thief comes for no other purpose than to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came that you may have life and have it in abundance. So you've got Jesus trying to bring you life and health, but you've also got Satan trying to make you sick. If through sin you're yielding yourself to Satan, you are empowering him and giving him an opportunity in your life. You can pray and ask God for healing all you want, but your actions are allowing the devil to come in and bring sickness. So if you're living in sin, you need to stop. I need to add that you could become so introspective that you would say, well, I'm always less than what I should be, and get to a place that even though you believe God can heal, you believe he won't because you don't deserve it. This is certainly wrong too. None of us are ever going to obtain healing from God because we deserve it. God's never had anyone qualified working for him yet. So you don't need to associate God moving in your life only to your performance, your holiness. It needs to be based on what Jesus has done for you and your faith in him. At the same time, you can't ignore your actions and yield yourself to the devil without him hindering you. You'll see healing work much easier, much better in your life if you repent and quit anything you're doing that would give Satan an inroad into your life. Another factor that concerns healing that some people don't think much about is the negativity and unbelief of other people that can affect you. One of these classic, exam classic examples of this is in Mark 6 where Jesus was in his hometown and the people didn't respect him because they remembered him as a little boy. They knew his father, mother, brothers, and sisters and didn't respect him the way some people did. They came against him and criticized him. And Mark 6, 4 through 6 says, A prophet is not without honor in his own country and among his own kin and in his own house. And he could there do no mighty work save that he laid his hand upon a few sick folk and healed him. And he marveled because of their unbelief. This doesn't say that Jesus wouldn't do the mighty works, but that he couldn't. Here is Jesus, the Son of God, who came to earth as a man, who had no lack in his faith, and there certainly wasn't any inroad of sin in his life. Yet, he was limited to do what, limited to do what he could for other people because of their unbelief. Put this together with Matthew thirteen fifty-eight, where it says, and he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. And we see that Jesus, who had no limitation in himself and certainly no sin in his life to give Satan an inroad, was limited in what he could do because of the people around him. And, you know, this brings up a point. Andrew was just in Charlotte, and Brian did a video where I could watch part of the teaching. And he had such a great point same man he said i can come to charlotte and i can preach and teach and everybody here that needs healing get healed i can go to greensboro you know 60 miles away preach the same message i'm the same person and nobody get healed because of their unbelief it's the same power of god the same teaching the same word but it's our belief or unbelief that is going to help us to receive or not receive the word of god in our lives this is really important to understand. It's God's will to heal everyone all the time. All the time. If you believe that you might possibly make the mistake of going to a hospital and trying to empty it of every sick person because you believe it's God's will for them to heal. It's God's will for them to be healed, but he will not move against their own will. 
which is why Andrew can go and preach the same message in two places and some will get healed and some won't. If it's your will to be broke, busted, and disgusted, moan and groan, keep it because that's God cannot do anything in your life if it's your will to stay sick. And nobody else can either. God will protect their right to be sick, their right not to be healed. No one can force them to be healed. And they can't get healed off of someone else's faith. Someone's faith can help them if they're struggling, but no one else can do it for them. You can push a car when it's in neutral, but you can't push a car in park or reverse. If a person is set against healing, you cannot overcome it. Because of this, you can't empty a hospital or go into a church service and see every person healed without their cooperation. There's so much more that could be said about this. When Jesus healed people, even raising the dead, he would go up to someone and say, weep not. He would tell a mother not to weep and then raise her son from the dead. Somebody's faith has to be used somewhere. There needs to be faith on our part, and there are so many, many other things involved in healing. I've discussed just a few here, and hopefully they will help you. But one of the main things you need to get out of this is that God is faithful. It is his will for you to be healed, but you have to learn how to cooperate with him. He can't do it for you. He has to do it through you. It will come from the inside of you. He says, I pray these things will help you to start yielding yourself to allow, or, allow the power of God to flow through you and to walk in supernatural health. And I'm just one, that's just a pet peeve of mine. So when I saw this lesson, I'm like, oh, I'm teaching this. Because if somebody comes up to me and says, well, you know, God just needed another angel. He just needed his wings. There are just certain things I want to do to them that is so unholy. And it, you know, there are just some laying on of hands that need to be done. And sometimes I just forget to, you know, gently open my hand. So, you know, God, God's word is true. Do it. Well, first I say, Lord Jesus, help me. Not to step into my old redneck ways and just tell them where, you know, tell them what they need to know. And I do. I say, well, okay, John 10.10 says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The thief. But Jesus came that you may have life and have it in abundantly. And what part of life in abundance is death, sickness, and lack? Abundance means in the overflow. It means, I mean, you know, Smith Wigglesworth would walk through a room and the power of God was so strong on him that people would just get laid out when he walked in a room. This is what we should be doing. We should be walking in a room just in the abundance of the life of God that just because we walk down the aisle, people are changed. People feel the presence of God. People look down and go, my gosh, I had a blister on my foot and it's gone. You know, or I felt sick and all of a sudden I feel better because... Because we carry so much of the life of God. So what part of life in abundance is death? You're either living or you're dying. Life means you're living. Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. Yeah. The question was, do people get stuck in the Old Testament? And the first question was, what do I say to those people who think, you know, Jesus just needed another angel? Um. 
but <laughs> here, okay, here's my question. And this is something, this is another thing I take to them. Isaiah 53, 5. Will you throw that one up for me, JD? I think it's at the bottom of my notes. Um, and I'm sorry. But Isaiah 53, 5 is the one that says, by, okay, he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. So my question for you is, if God needed people sick to teach them a lesson, if God needed people to die, why was Jesus whipped so we could be healed? He would be going against what God needs. But the word tells us Jesus only did what he saw or heard the father do. He only did what was in the father's will. So if he was healing people, but God needed them sick, he would be going against the father. Never at any time does God need us sick. I mean, what kind of God would we serve that is so limited that he needs to put our baby in the hospital to teach us a lesson? That's not a God of love. That's not a God of life. Yes, ma'am. They, they get stuck under the law and forget grace. She had a six-year appointment this week, and she, when we were at the doctor, that was just for her yearly. And she's like, Mommy, and she came out of school, and she's like, I, my throat's bothering me. And I'm, I'm like, well, you know, you're okay. I'm like, but we'll have her, you're here, we'll have her check it. And she was fine, but she kept giving me symptoms. And then I'm like, and then I get to a place where, what, do I believe, I'm like, well, you're healed, you know. And then I almost get to a place of fear, like, I don't want sickness coming on you, you know. And I, and I. And then she had strep back a couple months ago. So can I still, this is where I, I don't understand how to, how to um, stand for healing. Um, what do I want to say? She had the strep. So, but can I just, you know, we prayed with her, prayed over that we knew that I believed in my heart that, okay, she's, she's healed. So do, do I have to just wait for that manifestation of, do you know what I'm trying to, or, because our kids get, they seem like they get sick. So I don't know. That's where I'm giving you this one. Well, and it's, you know, it's like what he was saying. I know for me personally, it's like what he was saying here where part of sickness is ignorance. We've got to continue to learn the will of God and learn God's response. It's kind of like um, I give the example of. You know, you can call me and say, hey, Nicole, and I'm going to immediately know who it is because I know your voice. I know your responses. I know who you are. But yet, you know, maybe John calls me and say, hey, girl, what's up? And I'll be like, now, who is this? Because John and I don't talk a whole lot. You know, I see him at church. But other than that, we, you know, he's he's always gone and I'm always gone. And, you know, so we don't know each other that well. So I could ask him a question and be like, well, I think God, or I think John's going to say this, but I'm not quite positive. We've got to get to where we know that we know the will of God so strongly. And we know it here. I know it's God's will to heal. But we've got to get it so strongly here that, and the key to what you said is, that not even an ounce of fear can get in. Right? And, and that's part of the problem. And I'm, and I'm the same way. So many of us are the same way is, you know, I'm going to pray on it. And I'm going to know that it's going to be healed, 
But then if we don't see it right away, we let just that slight quarter ounce of fear get in of maybe it won't be today or maybe I didn't do something right or maybe God saw what I did yesterday, you know, when I cut that person off or maybe he saw me lose my temper last week. And suddenly we start to second guess ourselves. We start to put it back on the Old Testament law of we've got to earn it and deserve it instead of stepping into I know I don't deserve this I know I don't I haven't earned this but Lord I know your word says that we were healed that means it's already done that means my daughter isn't sick that means Satan has put on a mask of this sickness it is not real and we just cast it off and we know that it's done and it's ours now regardless of what we see or hear it is done and when we get to know his word his voice so well we can't doubt it whatsoever, and it is forced to manifest. You want to add to that? Yeah, that's a lot. How? I think it's the anticipation. Oh, I'm sorry. No, you're good. I think for me it's the anticipation of, oh, what if, that what if is still yeah. in my head. And, and that's where we give the, we give the we enemy give more hold. credit than what he has. And that's why right. I posted on Facebook yesterday because I see so many people say, well, I'm fighting God in this area and I'm fighting God in this area. And it may be, you know, a marriage. It may be sickness. It may be, you know, something, you know, mental. But I'm fighting, or I'm fighting, not God, but I'm fighting the enemy. And my question was, why are we fighting an enemy that's already been defeated? The only power Satan has is what we hand him. We hand our power to him, and he says, <laughs> watch this. I couldn't do anything, but now you gave it to me. What we've got to do is take it back and say, you have no power. It's not what if, it's, it's done. Done. And I find a lot of us say, and I've been um, believing, I'm believing. What do you mean you're believing? It doesn't make sense to me. It's like we just should just know. Yeah. I mean, it seems like we say that a lot. And I yeah. don't understand that. But yeah. We just should, and I'm speaking for myself. Oh, no, I'm, I'm with you. So. Brian's going to speak on unbelief in a minute. Uh, well, I probably don't need that. I talk about it enough. Live okay, live stream. Uh, okay, there was a couple of points that I wanted to make. Uh, one point with the with the sickness, I had just come across an article in the Journal of Medicine that said 87% of all the diseases that were that were showcased in this study could be traced back to mental and emotional. It starts in the mind, and when it starts in the mind, it, it, this was this was a secular, you know, it wasn't a Christian magazine. This was secular. They were talking about diabetes. They were talking about it manifested it all, and they traced it back to fear, negative emotions, negative imaginations, harboring anger in the heart. 13% of these diseases could be attributed to genetics, diet, environment. 87% is huge. You know, so so for, for the enemy to get now, now, the other side of this is you never ignore the physical as far as you need to take, like in the area of sickness, it's good to take care of your body, exercise, vitamins and minerals, good diet. Um, to do things in, in, in the worldly sense to take care of yourself, you can't go out and eat cake all day and think you're going to be able to run a marathon. That's not how faith works in this. <laughs> Same thing with the sickness. You know, so, so if, 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 it, and I'm not saying like a little child's harboring anger or anything like that, but when the child comes and says, I think strep throat is coming on. Well, what would make you think that, right. you know, and, and you start giving credence and energy to that, that's opening the door, you know, and now, if the strep throat, if you do have strep throat, God has placed 
answers, has placed medicine in doctors' hands and things. The, the manifestation of healing may come in several different forms. It might be someone laid hands on them and, and the, the healing manifests. You might have to go get a prescription. You know, you might have to go get surgery. I, I have known people who have put themselves in a mess by, you know, needing surgery or needing some needing wisdom that God has placed in doctors and they're standing but they're not listening. God's saying, I've gave, given you the answer, but you've got to go here for the answer. You know, that, that makes this relationship with this person necessary. That's why I placed them in your life. Uh, on, the, on the area of sickness and, and God taking people in death, everybody that God has taken that I've seen in Scripture has always been alive. Enoch was alive. God took him. The Bible says Elijah was alive. God took him. When, Jesus, when God took Jesus, he was alive. When the rapture happens, the church is going to be alive. Everybody that is taken in death, the Bible says death is an enemy of God. So when somebody says that, you know, it was the will of God was done through this death, my will is not done through my enemies. You see what I'm saying? So, so I mean, it's just a large, there's so much ignorance in this realm. We really give the devil a lot of glory and a lot of power that that is not that is not real but 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 i mean it's almost like watching the wizard of oz when you have finally seen the wizard at the end it's like is this the guy who caused all the trouble but he does it through you know wrong wrong believing wrong and like i said a lot of ignorance yeah well the only power that satan has is the power of deception and he'll come up and he'll whisper hey john you're losing your hair you know or hey john your throat's tickling. It's you got an. He's. he's <laughs> but he'll he'll whisper something to you, and we our job is to pick up the word and hold fast to it, or we're going to pick up that deception and say, "Well, it's mine. He said it's mine, so it must be mine." That's the same way he got Adam and Eve. Life had no end in the garden until Adam and Eve heard that deception and pick, picked up the lie and took it on as theirs. That's when death took place. It was not the will of God. You want to speak? Yeah. So let's actually, let's continue this in the class next week. Uh, well, I want to talk about this again. We didn't actually get to the questions, so we can look at the scriptures and ask those questions again next week. But what I want to speak to real quickly, because it fits with today and some of the questions that were asked, is unbelief. Last week, we were actually talking a little bit about what Andrew was preaching on in Charlotte was unbelief. And you don't realize, a lot of us don't realize, and we're ignorant of the fact that we can have faith and yet have unbelief at the same time. And that's a, that's a viable thing where you believe God and yet unbelief rises up and kind of strips the power outside of faith. And yet you're still believing that God can and will do this, yet you have unbelief. Unbelief can come uh, from ignorance, you know, it can come from something learned, and that's where a lot of ours is is learned. And you know, for example, you ask the question, why would a kid say, "Oh, I, I'm feeling bad," or start to expect that I'm feeling bad? The reason is because this world, and generally us as parents, have taught them that, right? And then the other other thing is just a unbelief that comes, you know, somewhat naturally when you see something. 
something. So I gave the example last week, and it's great to say it again, was where uh, Smith Wigglesworth uh, brought a lady up on stage that had a tumor. And uh, Andrew was telling a story where he actually had just seen somebody through faith in God to basically uh, come back to life right? Andrew had this personal experience. And so he, that had just happened. He goes into a meeting. Over on the side is somebody sitting in a wheelchair. And he's like, praise God, I have seen somebody raised from the dead. That person getting out of that wheelchair, you know? And he said the whole time he was preaching, what he was thinking was, I can't wait to finish preaching so I can go and minister to that person because that was what was on his heart. And he said, and you can't tell me that I didn't have faith. He said, because I went over there and I grabbed them and I jerked them up out of the wheelchair and they went like that on the, he said, he said, you can't tell me I didn't have faith. He said, look, he, he said, when's the last time you jerked somebody up out of a wheelchair? <laughs> and uh, he said, the problem was when that happened and that person hit the ground, unbelief jumped all over me. Unbelief came because I was fearful of what the crowd now thought. I was fearful all of a sudden that it wouldn't happen. And he said, I had faith for the person to get healed, but I had unbelief. And you can, in James, it says a double-minded man, which means you have a mind in two different places. One is faith and one is unbelief. And you can see it there. And so what happened, hold on one second. And so what happened is he said, gave a story of Smith Wigglesworth. He said the difference was he knew who he was in God. He said he called this lady up. She had this big tumor on her stomach. She goes up on to the platform and he's got two uh, helpers holding the lady up and so he says let her go and the woman falls down on the on the stage where everybody <gasps> you know like this and he says pick her up and they pick her up and everything. And he says the difference is when that happened to Smith Wigglesworth, he had gotten to the place where he was not allowing unbelief to affect him whatsoever. He wasn't allowing the gasp of the crowd. And he said, let her go. And they're like, uh, we, we can't let her go. She, she can't hold herself up. He said, let her go. Again, like that, and hits the, hits the ground. He says, pick her up and you can imagine what the crowd's doing by now right you know and matter of fact in this next time he says let her go and uh and somebody from the crowd goes stop messing with her you beast you know and that's what the the crowd that's where they're at right but he was not moved by unbelief and he said i said let her go and eventually they did let her go again but when they picked her up, when she got up this time, the tumor completely fell off. So that's where we have to remain convicted of faith. You see, here's the thing, uh, if you'll put up real quick, Romans 8.11, it says this, But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Now here's the thing. If we really believe that, should we ever, 
ever have expectation that sickness or disease will be on us. So the expectation that, oh, I'm feeling bad, and, and I can tell you I have walked away from a whole bunch of sicknesses since I got revelation of this because all of a sudden I start feeling bad. I'm like, I don't accept that. That doesn't belong here. He's given life to my mortal body, and instantly I'd step right out of that sickness. You know? Now, and there is wisdom where the Lord said, hey, you're believing me for healing. Faith without works is dead. In other words, you're not going to be going around eating the, you know, the cake and the donuts all the time and, un and expecting that you're going to be walking in perfect health. Faith is going to have works that accompany that. I'm expecting to live a healthy and whole life in the wisdom of God. So I try to eat better. I try not to eat all the junk food all the time and actually take a break from it every now and then. Don't laugh, Barrett. <laughs> and uh, everybody loves me. They're smiling at me. So, and I'm doing better. That, that joke. <laughs> But it's good. It is important for us to line ourselves up with the Word of God and put some works behind what we believe. So, uh, Miss Jody had a question. I guess I'm getting a little confused. Okay. Because um, it's kind of been all over the place with the topic. So, are you saying that someone who doesn't get healed the family that prays for this person this this christian that prays that everybody has all this faith that they don't get healed that they didn't have the faith to believe to be healed well that's what jesus told his disciples we were talking about that on some something recently but one of the problems is we've got to get to the place where we're talking and thinking like jesus so what did he tell the disciples when they when peter sunk in the water you remember what he said yeah, he said, oh, ye of little faith. When they didn't cast out the demon, he said. She needs a mic. <laughs> That's exactly. Get out of that wheelchair. So what she was saying is that it may be God's will for you to die to avoid other problems. Now, so this is exactly what all of this is about, is that thinking. That's a theology and a doctrine based off of experience, but not based off of the word. That's the problem. That doctrine, that's what happens. That, that doctrine actually is what happens when people pray and then they don't see it. And so instead of going back to the Word and saying, where did we miss it? Then they'll say, well, it must not have been God's will. And that's, there's a problem because now we're dealing with an experiential doctrine. So it's kind of like salvation. Uh, if God wanted everybody to be born again, wouldn't they? Well, no, because that we have free choice. Well, it's the same way in healing. We have free choice as well. What people don't realize is that unbelief can come and be in us. This world produces unbelief. I mean, it is designed by the devil to produce unbelief. And so a lot of times we have unbelief that we're just not even aware of. And we can be in that place of faith, but yet we're probably gen as as a whole, in general, a people that's not as faithful as what we think we are. Yeah. Yeah, really wanting it to happen is not faith. Faith is knowing the will of God 
and believing in it and not letting go. It's by faith and patience that we inherit the promises of God. So this is, it's one of those areas where we could take and we could talk about this for two or three days, you know, and uh, see, this is awesome. See all the questions. <laughs> We're going to have to stop in a minute. <laughs> it's good stuff though, isn't it? So, yes. I, we, we're going to talk about it some more next week. So, amen. Yeah, to be continued. But here's, here's the problem with it. If we accept that, right? So is God in John 10, 10, the verse that we read, the thief comes what? To steal, kill, and destroy. All right, that part is the thief. That part's the devil. But Jesus came in the heart of the Father to give life and life in abundance. So that's the part and the heart of God. Well, he says we've been appointed once to die. That is correct. Because this physical body, because of its corruption, will die, right? So that is, that is a true thing. But it's not because God wanted us to. That's not how he created us in the beginning. Did he create us in the beginning before the curse to die? That wasn't the plan of God. So, and so you go back into we are redeemed from the curse. You go into Deuteronomy 28. You see the blessing and the curse listed out. And in uh, Deuteronomy 28:61, a part of the curse was that um, every disease, named or unnamed, is under the curse. Okay. And then in Galatians 3:13, it says we are redeemed. From the curse. So every sickness and disease we're redeemed from. The reason why we don't is because we really don't know it as well as we think we do. I, there was one situation where um, Keith Moore was praying over somebody. He said, Lord, I know there was faith present. And I know that that power and that anointing was released for healing. But the person went on and died. And he was beating himself up over it personally because he was ministering to the family. And he said he went back in, in and he was just praying about it. And he was really, the devil was condemning him for it. And the, the Holy Spirit came back and helped him. He said, Keith, he said, uh, you don't know where their heart and where their mind was. You could have been in perfect faith. But it's not just your faith alone. They could have, right after you've done that, stopped deciding. He, and in fact, he, he, huh? It, it could have if the, if the person would have been in agreement to believe for that. But here's what happened. He found out later on the family actually continued planning the whole funeral as soon as he left. So where was their actual faith and belief that he was going to die? You see, they were trying to get all their ducks in a row and see the earthly logic thinks that way. But heavenly logic thinks when we pray, the power of God is released and it's done. It's an absolute it's done. And so what we've got to do is renew our mind to those things. But that's a good question because that's where, that's where most all of us have been and are still coming out of in different ways. And it's like with us this week. I mean, Abigail's been coughing and everything. We've been applying faith and applying faith. And you know what? We don't have it perfect either, but we're growing in it. And we see, we see a lot more uh, instantaneous healings, miraculous healings, and a lot less sickness than we ever have before because we're continuing to grow in it and renew our mind. Let's go quickly. Joe was first. <laughs> uh, even people who uh, have absolute faith still die. I mean, every human being is designed 
to eventually die. So I, I, I can understand where uh, we uh, we want to believe that, uh, that we're, yes, we're talking about faith would do it. But I can I have to also believe that people who have yes. right faith and the right mindset, they still die. Psalms 91 says that he has given us a full and satisfied life. Well, that so here's satisfied at 17 or 70. Yes, it can be. And it can be at that point where that person chooses. And that's the thing that that authority is within them to either stay in ignorance or to grow and know when that place is. For example, I've, I've heard of multiple testimonies. You're, you're right. There is a place where we do pass away. This body's going to pass away. If the Lord doesn't return, this body's going to be pa passing away. There's some people that think that they're going to just go like Enoch and Elijah, and Elijah did, like what John was talking about early. That doesn't always happen like that. And I would say you don't really have a scriptural basis to believe for that. There's going to be a time because the Lord said this, it is appointed once for for a man to die, right? So that's going to happen for this body to pass away. The question is this, are they living to a full and satisfied life like what we're promised in Psalms 91? And that, that's the question. So in other words, I'm not dying because a sickness ended my life early. I'm dying because I've said, hey, I'm ready to go home. And, now, and that, that's the difference. Yeah, yes, yes. Yeah. Everybody has to understand that as well, that you can't just... Yeah. Uh, that um, you may believe that you're supposed to stay here. Yes. You may, you may have already fulfilled your need um, because all we really are is, is fulfilling our desires from God, whatever yes. he has planned for us. So our, our task may be completed in a few years or, or many decades. At the very least, what they ought to be doing is seeking God and saying, Lord, when is that for me? Yeah. When is satisfied time? Well, he's already given us a bit of that in Genesis 6-3 where he said the length of a man's days will be 120. So he's given us an idea about how long that should be. So, yes, absolutely. Last, last one. Well, this was a hot topic. Um, Amen. <laughs> Brian, uh, Brian, do you recall when the ministry of Moses started? How old he was? 40. When he seen the, well, when well he seen that the was when push. it was 80 when he yeah, started, 80. yeah. If he would have died at 60, would he have fulfilled the will of God in his life? No. Would most people look at somebody who lived a good, strong life at 60, said he was one of God's warriors, but did he cross the finish line? Not no. at 60. No. He didn't start his ministry till he was 80. Yep. And I'm not saying, and, and most people, I'm not saying you can't have a fulfilled life at 18. Most people would look at somebody who died at 18 and say that was too short. Yeah. There, yeah. there was more to accomplish. And even if everything that you were supposed to do in life, if you were a good steward of God and you represented God's kingdom for 50 years, that's great. Yeah. I think you could have done more for God if you would have lived for 90 years. Yes. You know, so, so I really think, what did he tell Joshua? He said, Joshua, he said, you've done all these battles, but there is so much, much more yes. to do. Yes. I think as a, as a person... I want to be here and serve God and do the most for his benefit for as long yes. as possible. And, and, and I was going to Hebrews 11 when I got the microphone. When it goes through the, the Hall of Fame of Faith, it talks about people who conquered kingdoms and it talked about people who've done exploits for God. And then it goes into the martyrs, but there's one little section a lot of people skip over and it says these people uh, rejected God's 
uh, ability to intervene on their behalf That's in order right. to get a better resurrection. Yes. It didn't say the 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 uh, um, um, the the rescuing or God's intervention. It didn't say it wasn't God's will to help yes. them, like Samson being in you're, between. You're getting pillars. into the martyrs and We're, what what motivates uh, martyrs to be martyrs, and right. it's a choice. It's a it's a it's a play on you have to have a good balance between the sovereignty of God and the sovereignty of man. Yes. At neither time is anyone canceled out. Yeah. So like with the Samson deal, it was Samson's will to die in the pillars yes. wasn't God's will you know but God allowed that and it served a purpose that's for right God. and we're gonna have to wrap up but here's here's the other thing is um, Moses how did he die how, how old was he 120 and he climbed a mountain and he looked over in and his eyes weren't dim he was in good physical health but he lived the full and satisfied life under the old covenant as well so the the other here here's one of the major points in this that needs to be established is you have God trying to get you if he could push you and make you do it he would but he's not going to cuz you have a right to make your own choice you got God trying to push you into fullness of life and you've got the devil trying to deceive you into a shortened and unfulfilled one and if he can talk you into well i guess it's just my time then that's what you'll have unless you unless you change very quickly on the healing you know it's a faith from the from the uh it's a faith from the patient or the person that's afflicted it's how strong your faith is. It has a lot to do with that. That yeah. is, and with the combination of the pastor and yeah. that that patient, that's the devil that is taking and trying to step in at his time. I yes. mean, he's trying to disillusion everything, and it goes back to both the patient and the pastor, the strength from them. Well, a minister can step in and can and can help raise their faith and be a bridge between them and God. And in other words, John, let's say John might not have faith to get healed himself, but he might believe that I have faith for him. That's how it can work. And if he believes that, it'll work the same way that I can trust God and believe God. So and obviously a hot topic and we got to get ready for the service is going to be a good one thank you thanks for watching amen. amen and lord we just praise you and thank you for life and life in abundance we believe it and we receive it in jesus name amen